by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello everyone and welcome to N17 Women. For those of you who are returning listeners, thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoy this pod as much as the others and to anybody who's new, welcome. We're glad to have you with us and we hope that you enjoy the pod too. We are the only pod out there talking about Tottenham Hotspur women's football team and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's less fun. And I have a feeling today we'll be on the second dose. But as always, I'm joined by Caroline, by Abby and by Rachel. And we're going to go through the uh, the fun and games that was a very cold Sunday at Brisbane Road against West Ham in what we had determined after the Reading game was a must-win game. So the lineup we we saw Becky and Goal, back, back, Becky back and Goal, we had Amy, Molly, Shalina and Keris in the back four with Ash on the bench, apparently due to picking up a knock-in training during the week. Evelina Cho and Drew in the midfield, and then Celine Ross and she up top. So a bit of a different lineup. What did we all think when we saw that lineup? I think that some of the, the players that came into the starting lineup, like Karis and also Chi, you know, they had had really good showings in the last game. Uh, previous to the Reading, I'm sorry, the uh, the cup game. So I wasn't surprised to see them, you know, getting a start. But it's always kind of a surprise when Ash is, is on the bench to start. And yeah, I, I think it was just hard to know what we were going to get from this lineup was my only concern. Yeah, I think as Caroline said, a couple of the players had played well. They were the ones who came on as substitutes against Reading when we said, okay, the game got better after the substitutions. That included Celine, Chi and Keris. But in that game, obviously, we also had um, Nikki coming on as substitution a bit later and we had Ash staying on. Um, so there was, they wasn't the same lineup as the sort of playing better against Reading lineup. So that sort of bit wasn't exactly the same. And at the same time, there were some, obviously Cho came in to start um, this game, which she hasn't done for a while. So it was, I guess, at least a confusing lineup. And one of the things I think that's interesting, and maybe we'll come back to this, is we have had quite a lot of variation in personnel, but the shape has been very much the same for at least the last sort of five or six games now. So there were different people coming in, but the same shape. Yeah, my thinking on the lineup when I saw it was um, it seemed clear to me that there was rotation going on uh, in favor of games that I was thinking maybe we viewed as more important later in the week. I was excited to see Chi and Karis coming in in particular. I remember last week I said I would be really annoyed if we played four effectively center backs against West Ham. Uh, and we did. And I personally don't think that was the problem. <laughs> but So I'm going to half eat my words on that one. But I also think that like, I, I was a little concerned about seeing Cho coming in, not because I don't think she's a good player, but because she actually she offers very little in terms of ball progression and attack. And I thought that that might limit our attacking opportunities. I really like her as a player, but just wasn't sure about where we were going to get balls down to the final third from that lineup. 
And uh, the first half, let, let's talk about the sort of the first 40 minutes of the first half first, I think, because I think that the last five minutes we've got other stuff to talk about. But the first 40 minutes, I think primarily it was one of those games where we were just like, is this ball going to go in the back of the net? What do we have to do to get the ball in the back of the net? We had one shot on target in the first 40 minutes was uh, was one thing that the commentator was saying as I was listening back to it. So not good enough from that perspective, but it did feel like an attacking performance. It did feel to me in that first half like we were on top of West Ham and we should have come away with more in those first 40 minutes. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I thought the first half felt a lot more like last season or even the first two games of this season where in the first halves against Leicester and then against Reading in the Cup, we played really good football but still struggled to score many goals. And in those games, we only scored via, you know, Ash's wonder goal and sort of a pretty amazing shot from Drew as well. So they were all, we were creating opportunities, but we weren't creating good enough opportunities. And also the people who to whom those opportunities were falling maybe weren't always the perfect people. And so sometimes there was a little bit of slowness, taking an extra step, perhaps choosing the wrong shot or choosing to shoot rather than to pass. There was one, uh, you know, there's so it, it felt like nearly, and in some ways that was good compared to what we'd seen the week before at Reading where we didn't even get to nearly a lot of the time. But it wasn't enough and we it felt like an opportunity missed after that first half. Yeah, I think like I remember the announcer on the FA player said something about this and I ended up really agreeing with it, which is that we haven't been creating very high quality chances this season. And I think that's like spot on. I think most of the times you see us shooting, it's just not from a good position. I also felt like I don't I didn't necessarily feel like it was as nearly there maybe that's because I was watching it on a little bit of a delay and so I knew we weren't going to score in the first half and I felt like we looked pretty toothless and like we were constantly missing a player up there I thought there were some good individual performances that I found really promising and some moments that maybe could have like spurred us on to do something more but I didn't think it was like that good yeah and I think West Ham, they had clearly prepared really well for us and they were committing a lot of numbers to their defense. And so every time we were getting towards the final third, I know, especially she in particular had some opportunities to send some crosses in. And every time she was, you know, hitting a West Ham player, cause they, it was just so much traffic in the box. So I felt like our biggest chances were coming from set pieces which we ended up having a lot of. I feel like every time I, you know, looked up, we had a corner kick again. And I think Evelina deserves a lot of credit because she had some really good deliveries. They just, you know, people were not where they needed to be. And it was kind of the opposite of that cup game where it seemed like every set piece we scored off of, you know, this time we just, we weren't making the connections, but at least there's some reason for optimism that we seem to at least have the delivery aspect has improved. You reminded me of something uh, when you were talking, which is that I felt for the first half and then also the second half, but I started thinking this in the first half that we did not have a plan for West Ham and that we were just like, go out and get them. And I think West Ham, I don't, I haven't like quite looked into exactly what I would do, but I 
feel that they're a very exploitable team and that we just didn't have a plan to do that and that we didn't seem to have a coherent plan at all not even this like I don't know partially this is like because we lost and I'm like looking back on it thinking but I really felt that we didn't play our game to its fullest extent but we also didn't exploit West Ham's game I mean I think in the moment there were mo there were chances there was one I think where Celine was in the box and there was a West Ham player saved it off the line so that that was I mean there was a couple of times when there was that sort of ball in the box bouncing around but it wasn't very decisive the shots was yeah. so there was a soft shot and there was a couple of other soft shots both in the first half and then a bit later in the second second half so the goalkeeper was able to make very very easy saves it like tons of players in the box at all times like 10 every time we were doing that which I think made it a lot more difficult I do think this is where we miss Rachel Williams because those are the kind of opportunities where she would have forced the ball into the back of the net I just kind of you know those ugly goals that she scored a couple of first half of last season where she was just like nope that ball's going in the back of the net I don't care how and we we're missing somebody who's who does that I think Drew was trying to play that role in the game because I feel like every time we had f found someone in the box, it was Drew and she was getting a shot off. But again, so much congestion there. It's, there was just no path to get the ball into the net. So she plays out a little bit, doesn't she? She plays like she isn't. She tends to play on the edge of the box. So the shots that she was getting away still had congestion in front of them. I think like Nikki is our most obvious, like get the ball in the box, you know, just like bundle it in person. But. Obviously, it didn't work when she came on either. It, in some ways, things worked less well. But in terms of filling that role of just being the person who all they want is to get the ball in, it can be ugly. It doesn't matter. She can do that. I mean, Rhea, hopefully, at some point will come back. And she's also someone who does that. So that that last five minutes then of the first half, Keris, who I don't think had a great game, was caught in possession by Longhurst and West Ham. And in, in the moment, I thought it was maybe a soft penalty. Watching it back on the replay, I thought Longhurst was very clever. Absolute stonewall penalty. Just uh, nicked the ball back and Keris took her out. So can't complain about the penalty in that situation. Uh, but luckily, West Ham's danger woman that we spoke of last, last time was unusual in that she shot wide of the goal. So how did we all feel about the, the penalty decision and, and the shot? I think you're right that Longhurst was pretty clever in winning the penalty. But at the same time, we can't complain because it, it was a penalty um, in my view. And we got very fortunate that Brynjir's daughter missed because I don't think Becky was getting to that shot. So I felt very relieved that we were going to go into halftime nil-nil after giving them such a golden opportunity to take the lead. And, you know, as usual is the story regretting all those missed chances that we had. Yeah, it was a clear penalty for me as well. I, it was, you know, just a mistake losing the ball. And then Kara's tried to get back and do something about it. But in the end, all she could do was foul her. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not the same, but it's a similar position to, the penalty that Ash conceded, which is a sort of winger coming in from the side. And I, again, 
you know, not to say it wasn't just an individual error, maybe that is what it is, but also maybe it's something that we think about, like, why is it that sometimes our wingers feel that they're sort of like they're the last option, that there isn't somebody behind them necessarily, or or that they're getting too far up the pitch against players who are dangerous. So I guess it's just thinking about, is there something more systematic or is this just random that the two penalties we've given away this season have both come from a very similar position? So we did go in at half time nil nil. I have I did say to folk that I sit with, I was a bit worried that it was, as you say, Rachel, like last season, then we sit on a nil-nil, we sit on a nil-nil, and then we concede. We didn't have to wait too long though. It was much quicker um this season to feel the pain. Hardly uh, any time on the pitch till 48 minutes. And West Ham had the ball in the back of the net. There was some complaint from Spurs. Molly was on the floor. Um, she'd had a ball to the face and usually in that situation in this kind of temperature because it was very cold things would be stopped but then I think we would be very upset if they'd stopped the game at that point uh, if it was the other way around so what did we all make of the goal? I mean I I did think we could feel a little hard done by with the ref not stopping play because it was it was like point blank range that she got hit from and I, I don't know if it's just that he didn't see it but there were quite a few times in this game where I felt like the ref was being very, shall we say, lackadaisical in his attention span. <laughs> so that was that was frustrating to me. But at the same time, there wasn't a whistle and you can't just switch off. And I feel like that was what happened with the rest of the defense. And, you know, I, Becky made a valiant attempt to stop the ball, but you, you don't want her getting that shot off to begin with. And I guess it's understandable that they were all going up to block the initial ball, but Again, what happened is we had multiple players going for the first ball and then the second ball is under defended. And that's half, that's one of the things that we pointed to when we were thinking about where we're conceding goals around set pieces. It's often not the first goal. It's the second thing that's happening. And so it's the ways in which we recover and move and identify who's marking whom at a time when, you know, the ball's in motion, things are changing. Yeah, and I remember, I think we'd mentioned before that we thought that might be something Karis would help out with organizationally, and I think she will. I felt like she was just having a bit of a rusty game with, like, little things like, you know, giving up the pen, and then, like, she was going after that ball that eventually became the shot, and it looked like she just turned around at the last minute and stopped playing, which, like, I felt like on a different day she wouldn't have done uh, so I think maybe just getting back to match sharpness is a factor there. So she's been out for quite a while, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, two two games in quick succession that are really important. You know, she played fantastically against Reading when she did come on, didn't get much of a chance. This time round, Rianne perhaps had been listening to us and rather than waiting for her substitutions or at least her first substitution, she made the next the first substitution pretty much straight after that goal. Ros and Keris coming off, Nikki and Ash coming on. Did that help? No, sounds like the answer. <laughs> Sadly, I no. Don't... You know, I just think so- something seems a little off about Ash in the last couple of games, and I can't fully pinpoint what it is, but it was the same thing with Nikki, just kind of no impact really. I think Nikki in a way is almost 
more explicable because it felt like the ball wasn't getting to her. So she wasn't in the game most of the time. And obviously she can drop back. And there was actually, there was this absolutely beautiful ball she played through to, I think it was Drew, where she just held up player behind her and slid the ball through. And it was just, it was the only beautiful thing I can remember from Spurs in the game. I think there was, I think there was one going the other way that was quite nice as well. But so she had this moment and you could see what she was about and where it could work, but it wasn't happening regularly throughout the game. I think perhaps on the balance, Roz was more successful at getting the ball in this game or at least playing the part that she was meant to be. And I don't know about if that's to do with the other kinds of personnel changes that happened a bit later or as for Ash. Yeah, I think it it feels like she's trying really hard at the moment, which it doesn't always feel like. Like sometimes it feels like what she's doing is so natural. It's just absolutely working. And again, I go back to this thing about, you know, she's for the first time had quite a lot of attention on her from the club, from the public, from other things. She's talked about more than she has been in the past and she's also moving positions. And so there's a lot of stuff to keep in mind. And it did feel a little bit like she was pushing, you know, she had a couple of shots, which were not maybe the best choice shots always. There was also some times where she, and we've talked about this in a different pod, where she played the ball to where she thought people were going to be and they weren't there. And, you know, I, again, we've, argued why that might be a good thing sometimes and it encourages people to take up those positions and that wasn't always you could always see what she was trying to do when that happened but there was more frustration and sort of some tackles in the sort of center of the field which again I think like if she'd been just playing right back the entire right back left back left back I can't remember which one she came on us anyway left back I think she came on us this time yeah, yeah. So she's been playing left back the whole season. I feel like she would be more in term, sort of in tune in terms of like judging when to stay back and when to go forward a little bit. So, I mean, for me, this, the second half felt a lot more like the Reading game, felt a lot more like there were more players, more West Ham players on the pitch than there were Spurs players. And so at 77 minutes, Rianne made some more changes. Celine and Cho came off, Jess and Haz came on. Uh, did we think, what did we think of those changes? Did they improve anything? I mean, Celine had been a little bit busy Jess and Haz did they I mean Haz is first time she hasn't started for a while so coming in how how did we think those changes affected the next sort of 10-15 minutes you know I think that Jess looked pretty good when she came in um, she was at least finding ways to get around the West Ham players in the final third and you know cutting in looking for that pass further into the box and I felt like she she was one of the few players on the pitch that day that was really fully committed to her movements because I just felt like, especially in the second half, all across the rest of the lineup, you know, player our players were just getting beat to the ball too often. They were being bullied off the ball. There was just kind of a general lack of physicality, which is kind of surprising to me because I feel like last season that was one of our strengths especially, you know, having a player like Maeva Clemeron kind of setting that standard from within the center of, of the lineup. And I feel like this season, we're just not, I don't know, not putting in the same uh, physical commitment to our play. Would y'all agree with that? I think so. Although I, I guess I thought that especially in the first half, maybe less so in the second half, Celine was one of the bright spots in the team that she was making things happen. She could get round people. 
Um, she was creating a little bit of chaos and also was going for ball recoveries. Her and Evelina probably more than anyone else were winning the ball back when there was one of that sort of when there was the midfield ping pong which went around, which happened at times and less beautifully. I think Cho and Haz and Evelina, one of the things I've been thinking about is they're all like partly what you want in a defensive midfielder, but none of them are exactly the finished item. So I was noticing in this game, Cho was very good at holding she was actually strong she was holding people off her there were times when she was getting harried and she was able to keep the ball but what she couldn't do then was pass the ball very effectively and so it's that difference between keeping the ball but then doing something with it on the other hand obviously when anger ed came in she passed the ball much better but she was less strong in keeping it and similarly evelina did a lot in terms of getting the ball back but maybe again wasn't as strong as the other two and the other thing so it's that weird thing where I, I feel like our defensive midfield slash I guess it's slightly attacking midfield but those three are our options and there isn't sort of a perfect combination yet I don't think and that feels like maybe important but um especially if you're playing with someone like Drew who seems to be given more of a sort of permission to roam so we um we were committing people forward. We were trying to get an equaliser. And inevitably, that led to West Ham scoring their second goal, a breakaway goal for them after 85 minutes. And Molly, in trying um, in vain to stop the ball from crossing the line, um, managed to injure herself as well. So not a great couple of minutes there. Watching it back, I was, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a bit of a mess, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was particularly surprised but with Becky in this instance because I feel like usually one of her strengths is her positioning and in this this situation she definitely had gotten caught out and I think was kind of torn between you know wanting to get back to her line and and then realizing too late that she should have really been coming out because Sissoko had made such a heavy touch you know, she easily could have gotten there if, if her original positioning had been correct. And I, you know, I give her some credit for, for attempting to make the save um, and at least getting hands onto it. But yeah, it was, it was not great from the goalkeeping perspective. Um, not, not to mention, you know, the, the situation in the midfield that, that caused the goal in the first place. I mean, I think, I don't know if you were aware of this, Sean, but at the time, just before the goal when the free kick was taken, being taken and Becky had come all the way up the field, there were people all around me shouting, get back, get back. Because it was one of those ones where she was so far up the field that everybody was nervous about it. And obviously that isn't enough to produce a goal, but if people see somebody off the line, then somebody like Sissoko is going to have in her head, if I can get forward, I can chip her, I can get it past her, she's out of position. And I feel like even if it was just a psychological encouragement maybe she did get back I don't know you know whether she felt like she was still able to get back and do was get to the right position but it definitely felt very inviting if I was a West Ham player at that moment because if I as a fan thought this looks risky then they must have also thought that and I think one of the things that was interesting is that it was Sissoko who was obviously playing centre-back and West Ham had moved to three at the back which had given her a little bit more freedom and again, it's one of those things about other teams are potentially changing what they're doing. So West Ham did change what it was doing in the second half when they brought on was it Lisa Evans and sort of shored up their defence a bit because Sissoko wasn't getting forward very much in the first half. So that 
perhaps was also something that was part of what happened, I guess. But it was a mess. Yeah, Molly's free kick was not a good one. Uh, although I think the announcer, when I was listening back to on the player, gave it to, said it was Shalina Zadorsky. I was like, that's not Shalina Zadorsky. <laughs> so it was Molly on the free kick who uh, sadly didn't do very well. And then she was so far up. But I think Evelina was, I think, the furthest outfield player who was closest to the goalkeeper at that point. So, yeah, just uh, a, a big old mess and, and desperate, obviously, to get a goal. But in those kind of situations, when it's only one goal, you've still got to be a little bit careful about your back line. You, you would have seen Molly in the post-match uh, signing. How did she look? I, I hear she was still fully participating and, and joining in with that. So hopefully the injury isn't too bad. Do you get any sense of that post-match, Rachel? I mean, she was there and people have reported that she said she wanted to be there and that that was her choice. But she was signing things with her left hand. She could not move her right arm or hand and she was in pain and she said she was in pain. So she was doing an amazing job of being there and she said she wanted to be thank you know, thank the fans. And, you know, she is a player that fans really love. She has been absolutely, you know, slightly bad free kick, notwithstanding. She was also the one, you know, diving back to try and get the ball off the line. She has been a stalwart for Spurs. And I think we've, sometimes we hardly ever mention her. And I thought about that before. And it's partly because she isn't generally the player that's doing stuff that's wrong and or that's noteworthy because she's just doing her job and like getting stuff done so I think it's really praiseworthy that she wanted to come and see the fans I mean slightly mad I kind of feel like the club maybe shouldn't have allowed her and should have just shipped her off and got her in ice but hopefully it's not too much we wait and see whether she's in I mean obviously we have got centre-back cover and maybe if Molly's not there the, the centre-backs will be playing centre-backs and our full-backs can play full-backs but equally Molly has been our best centre-back this season and uh, it would be a shame not to see her in, in such an important game I did listen to the post-match interviews both uh, Rianne and Shalina were both kind of like a bit sort of we've just got to win we've just got to stop losing which seemed to be a, a, a consistent message between the two of them but I wasn't sure how I felt about that kind of approach to to post-match um, analysis. What did, did you all take away from that? Yeah, I have to admit, I haven't actually watched them all the way through. I just got the general gist of them. But I do feel like in the last few games, I have started to wonder whether these are just sort of like features of Rianne Ball, like us not having a plan. Like that can't be... Like if there is a plan, you'd think the players would be doing it. And there are just times when it feels like there needs to be more of, of a plan, I guess I would say. I I mean, this is just this is just a way I've been starting to feel over the last few games and and certain things that like, you know, I was watching through the game and I was like, oh man, I bet like I'm I wonder if our attacking output looks any different from last season like and if so how so I was looking at some of the numbers and it was like last year we were putting up like 1.1 expected goals per game and this year it's more like 0.88 which is not like a huge difference but it's like it's a difference for sure and I was looking at distance of shots we were taking from the goal and that was actually about the same I was looking at like all sorts of things and a, a lot of the numbers we're putting up this year are actually shockingly similar to the ones we were putting up last year despite the differences we have noticed and I'm starting to wonder like whether there just needs to be more like a, a change coming from a coaching perspective and and like to be clear I absolutely think that Rianne is the person to do that I'm not saying that like 
I want her to leave. I just think that over winter break, maybe there could be some, some personnel changes because, you know, we've had those issues, but also some like maybe new tactical ideas. Cause right now it seems like we don't have any. And, you know, the one criticism that I've had of Rian, like not just this season, but in last season as well, is that it seems like she can often be slow to react to changes from the opposition. And it's like a lot of times if our plan A is working well, we're in a good spot, but it doesn't seem like we always have a plan B. But at the same time, you know, these last couple of games, I just keep feeling like we know that these players are capable of more. And it just feels kind of like a blanket underperformance across the whole squad. So to that point, I'm kind of sympathetic to Rianne and Shalina both kind of being baffled and like, we don't understand why that's happening because I don't understand it either. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree with your thing, your comments about a plan B. It's certainly something that we highlighted last year and we last year put it down to the lack of uh, sort of deep bench. And so you couldn't really change what was happening. And this year we have, obviously we've had injuries. There are things that have disrupted the plans and we have to take that into account, but we do still have a slightly stronger, at least slightly more diverse bench in terms of options and I think that's why at the start of the pod, I was saying that I was slightly surprised. I mean, what was interesting is even when we saw the lineup and there were about five people different from last game, we still knew exactly how they were going to line up. I had absolutely no doubts about the shape we were going to take. And in some ways, that's good. Everybody knows what's expected of them. But it also means that we're not necessarily playing to our particular players' strengths, and nor are we responding to things that are happening on the field. And that's where potentially it would be interesting to see just a little bit more variety or a willingness to think about how do we get the most out of some of our players um now that you know they've got that initial shape that's important it means that people know their jobs and that is obviously the starting point when you bring a team together and you've got a lot of new players but we've got to go beyond that if we are going to start winning more games okay so how about two options? One is we either get another striker who can play in that role because Nikki clearly can't play every game and Roz isn't good enough in that role to play that and we haven't got another player that can play there or we have to think about a different plan A because trying to play that as plan A without Nikki just isn't working right at the moment and even if we're playing well, we're not getting shots off, we're not getting them on target, we're not getting them over the line. So it seems to me that if, if plan A is what it seems to be, which is, the, the as you say, the how we know the, get, the team's going to look on the pitch, that's not working without an out-and-out striker, which we haven't got most of the time at the moment. So to me, it seems to me we need to change our plan A or we need to invest during the January break in a proven goal scorer who we know can score goals in the WSL. I think if we do bring in a new striker in January, I want it to be someone who either has WSL experience or has a lot of experience in another top league, you know, in Europe or in WSL, because something I just kept thinking about during this game is that without Rachel Williams and with Ash playing in defense rather than in the offense, we just lack experience up front. And I think that kind of showed in a little bit of the, I guess you could say like naivete being on display, especially from players who I think have a lot of promise like uh, Celine. They just, I don't know, sometimes seem to not have the, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. 
I think if they, if they were more experienced within the league, they would have a better idea of. Yeah. And I think also a lot of it comes down to like, I felt in the past that Rianne was really good at um, playing players in roles that play to their strengths. I just can't believe I used the word play three times in a sentence, but there you go. (laughs) And I don't feel that some of the choices she's made lately have done that, particularly around the front line. I would like to see, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I actually think a a back three might be a a thing I'd like to see us try because it feels like in sticking with a four, two, three, one, we are putting players who can't fulfill the duties in too many roles. I think a back three would help give our midfielders more cover because uh, as we were saying earlier there's there's um not quite that perfect combination I think and I think it would help with giving them the cover but it would also allow us to play two attacking wing backs and do more ball progression since like the midfield when you pick any two of the three midfielders we have it feels like it's somehow both lacking a ball progression and defensive cover. So I think it would help with that. And I just can't help but remember the time that Rianne played Tang Gielli and Raz up top. And we put up like over two expected goals against Everton last year. And it was like playing to their strengths of like, one's a runner and one's a passer and like obviously I don't necessarily want it to be those two particular players but I just felt like some of that those changing formations last year played to our strengths really well and I'd like to see us do that again this is also a time when I'm remembering that like it's coming back soon that's gonna like hopefully provide us some new things and um because you know obviously players that we could get in the transfer window are unknowns to us we don't even know if they're going to be available and like how they'll be and whether they'll be uh an improvement on the options we have now uh but we do know that we have some players coming back from injury in the next several months well quite a few months i guess in ria's case but at least we have that to look forward to well, and we understand that Kit is now playing with the team, is training with the team. So uh, although Rianne was being a bit circumspect about that in her uh, press conferences, I understand from colleagues in the in the media that she is definitely back, back training with the team. And we all saw Rias back out on the grass to uh, much uh, applause from the rest of the team, which was great to see. So, yeah, some players coming back. Yeah, I think Kit coming back is really important and it will provide new options. I am not sure if I'm as convinced by Abby that a three at the back worked great in all of our games last season, definitely didn't work in preseason, but I'm totally willing to try it. I mean, even in this game, I was just thinking, you know, obviously I did not want Molly to be injured. I really hope she's back. But at that moment when she got injured, it felt all of a sudden, and Amy moved centrally and we had Asmita on the wing. It kind of felt like we had wingers who were ready to play on the wing, you know, I mean, fullbacks who were kind of ready to play as wingbacks. And you know, one of the things about Azzy is she's got really good ball control and I like, and she's very, she's also one of our best players in terms of interceptions. She's very, I think, intelligent about understanding where the ball is likely to be played. And it's one of the reasons she doesn't make masses of tackles is because she's quite good at getting the ball in other ways. So I would like her to be part of our plans. And I love Karis, I love Ash, but I do think Azzy is going to be a really important part of what we do if we're going to become more successful both in defending and attacking. I did think when Azzy came on, she made a real difference. 
Um, and it reminds me of when Keris came on against Reading. You know, it seems to be that the fullback who's been on the bench comes on and makes a difference. And and I th- she really did, you know, suddenly down that right wing, we felt like we were pushing forward in a way that we hadn't been earlier on in the game. Maybe that was West Ham dropping back a bit. But, I, you know, I I, I did, I, I was impressed. She didn't have very long again. She, she only came on, of course, for 86 minutes. So about 10 minutes on the field in the end, I think. But you noticed her. So the good news from the weekend is the other games kind of went in the way that we expected to. And we had a bit of a, a nervous moment when Aston Villa took the lead against Arsenal. But Arsenal came back to win that one 4-1 at Villa. Uh, Chelsea beat Reading 3-2. And City and United uh, slugging out a draw there in the big Manchester derby. So maybe a bit of a surprise there based on previous seasons, but based on performance this season, I think probably... a. Uh, 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 what we might have thought was going to happen in that one. So that means that the teams that we are fighting in and around either didn't play because obviously there were a couple of games called off or were beaten. So to me, it seems that we're getting into that familiar split in the table where we've got three blocks of four. You've got your top four, as always, Chelsea, Arsenal, the two Manchester teams. And then this season's middle four at the moment, Villa, Spurs, West Ham, Everton, with the bottom four being Liverpool, Reading, Brighton and Leicester, although Leicester are a distance behind. And there is some room for moving around in that group, but it does seem to me to be splitting into those three groups again. What do you think? I guess at this point, I'm just hoping that we don't end up in the bottom group. <laughs> um, but yes, otherwise it does seem like it is going to be like that. And I'm mostly joking, but we can't really afford to have too many more games like this or that is the risk. Yeah, I mean, and looking at the table, we have still got, you know, games in hand, which we're about to eat one up of, and uh, and the other one's not an easy game. So, you know, looking around, and West Ham are above a lot of people, but they've played every game so far. So, again, things can change as, as we go into it. And we have got a big game coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, Everton, uh, which we can uh, talk about the... the the sense of of scheduling it where it's been scheduled. There's a train strike. Uh, there's a World Cup semi-final. And it's going to be another very cold evening at Brisbane Road. We're going to be up against Everton, who didn't play at the weekend because their game at Brighton was called off due to a frozen pitch. Um, Shalina just wanted to play it straight after the game at the weekend. I'm pleased they didn't really after that performance. How are we, how are we feeling about Wednesday night? To be quite frank scared (laughs) I think especially knowing that uh, Everton did have the weekend off because of their postponement they're going to have super fresh legs and one of the things we've struggled with all season in terms of defense is you know those pacey counterattacks. and if you got somebody like Jess Park running at our defense that's a major concern to me yeah Everton have looked pretty good even in some of the games that they have lost to teams higher up the table so they we never thought they were going to be an easy game I think for a while we've been saying both the West Ham and the Everton game were going to be our moment of truth uh we've had one of those moments and we didn't like that truth so I'm hoping that what happens against Everton is that we find a lot more discipline because I think one of the things we haven't talked about is uh, Rianne's talked about a lot of our goals as mistakes and about you know making errors and things like that and obviously when you keep making errors they're not all errors there's a pattern there's something going on but at the same time it feels like something that should be fixable so 
I'm hoping that somehow they find the magic formula to fix the errors. You know, know Rachel, when you, when you said discipline just now, that is exactly the word I was searching for earlier talking about our offense. I think there's been a lack of discipline there too. Um, and some of that, I think, just comes down to inexperience, you know, with with players like Celine, who are still very young, even if they, you know, you can clearly see the the potential there. So we're um, not looking forward to Wednesday night, as we, we have said, it's a, it's an important game. I still think it's a huge if we can get a result out of that game, it does change the complexion of the first half of the season. I think if we lose that game, we start to have to reappraise our pre-season predictions quite seriously I think we can't rest because at the weekend we've got another game which we need to get a result in we need to get something out of to be sure of progressing we should do that we're playing Southampton in the Conti Cup Southampton are a championship side last season they were not a championship side they were not in the second tier but they've been doing really well this season in the championship and and impressing a lot of people familiar face Megan is down at Southampton now, Megan Wynn. So going to be fun saying hello to her again, but we need to get a result. Yeah, there's, I think, just no no getting around it. These, these next two games, I feel like we have to get a result out of both or else we're going to be in a position where we're really seriously looking at the January window for a miracle, perhaps, uh, which is not a position that you want to be in. And honestly, not the position I thought we would be in going into the season. You know, I there were some concerns about the recruitment we'd done in the summer in terms of, you know, like I said, experience level. But I didn't think we'd be in this situation for sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that's just, again, as we know, there's been almost no draws in the WSL this season either. And that means that everybody, you know, people who are winning are racking up points. There are not people who are kind of getting one point here and one point there. And so you actually see people much more spread out than you might have done in a previous season where there were more draws. So it's also a bit of a weird season in that sense in where people are in the table. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be uh, an interesting two games to end the season. Uh, we, we think we've worked out that, we, you know, the rules of the Conti Cup are slightly um, hidden in the mists of football, but we we reckon that it is a, a, a case of uh, goal difference over head-to-heads. So we need to make sure we get a point against Southampton. If we get a point against Southampton, we don't have to worry about anything else. It should be doable, but again, and again, it'd be interesting to see who Rianne puts out after the way we've been playing lately. And then obviously we've got the Christmas break. So next episode will be a bumper two games to talk about and some musings on the first half of the season but for now I think maybe we should leave it there and uh and go away and just well let's go with Shalina hope just get on with the next game let's get on get that result against Everton and um, we'll all be feeling a lot better if still freezing cold and stranded at Brisbane Road because we can't get home on Wednesday night uh-huh. uh Thank you for joining us here on N17 Women. Hopefully we'll have better things to talk about next week and we hope you'll join us again then. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Abby, for your insightful comments as always. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with more from Tottenham Women. (laughs) 